0: listening to the sermon podcast from real life moscow campus reaching the world for jesus one person at a time we are excited to continue on in our forever changed series so if you've missed any of it please check it out online uh, we start off with Mary of Magdalene and how she was forever changed. Uh, we talked about Nicodemus uh, and, and his encounters with Jesus. Uh, and then last week we talked about the uh, the woman at the well. And if you missed any of those, please go online and get caught up in our series of being forever changed. As we were putting together this um, sermon series and thinking about what does this look like and how do we connect folks in, in, in to the Bible and to the text and you know, what real life examples do we have of this? And one of the things I thought about, I was trying to think about who do I know that has been forever changed by the text? Like their story just kind of really impacted me. And one of those people was Luke Yetter. And uh, Luke and I have known each other for probably about eight or nine years, something like that, Luke. And um, his story, as I had heard it before, I was like, now that's being forever changed. And it's not just forever changed. It's like forever changed the real life way. His some of his, his, the, the things that happened to him in the church happened to me the same way, and I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool example of how we can be forever changed. So let me tell you just a little bit about uh, Luke. Uh, he's the director and co-founder of the Relational Discipleship Network and co-author of Leading the Disciple Shift. He was on staff at Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, Idaho from 2006 to 2017. Uh, he was an executive pastor there overseeing church planting, missions, and the National Discipleship One Training. Uh, Luke attended both North Idaho College and Eastern Washington University, where he majored in business and finance. He was the co-founder and CEO, or founder and CEO of a national corporation, Critical Power. Uh, Luke sold that company after eleven years to go into full-time ministry. Uh, he and his wife Casey have three children. They love spending time together as a family uh, in the great outdoors, and usually fishing and camping. And so. Uh, Luke, how old were you when you sold your your, your company? Uh, I was about 32, 33 years old. 32, 33 years old. Okay, yeah. So sold his company. You know, he's, he's been super involved. He's one of the, the RDN, you might hear us talk about, the Relational Discipleship Network. It's a network that we've supported since before I got here as a church. So our giving, part of our tithes and offerings go to this uh, network. Luke, tell us a little bit about the, the RDN as a whole. Yeah. So We formed the RDN
1: because uh, we built a two-day training and pastors from all over the world would come through these two days because they wanted to learn how our You guys reaching the lost so well and how are you discipling them and how are you getting them into these relational environments and so we had to put together just a a two-day experiential training where we put them in small groups we spend 16 hours together modeling life and doing life together best we can and you guys are part of that team and so you guys have helped train pastors from all over the country from all over the world and then once they go through the, go through the training, they, they have to make a choice. So they want to go in this direction because they learn Sunday is really important. But how do you, what do you do the rest of the week? How do you make disciples all the time, not just focus in on the Sunday side of it? So if they want to go in this direction, then they usually need some coaching. So we put them into small coaching groups of six to eight pastors and coached by a mentor coaching church. You guys are a mentor coaching church. You have coached churches from all over the country for several years. You may or may not know that, but you guys have made a huge impact across the country, so thanks for doing that.
0: Yeah, woo! And how many uh, how many pastors would you say have gone through the, relation, uh, the RDN?
1: Yeah, through the training, we have around eleven, twelve thousand pastors have been through the training.
0: Yeah, so it's super cool, and we're a part of that about uh, making disciples throughout the world, and we and we do that and supporting the RDN and what's going on. Uh, with within the RDN. So Luke, why don't you, uh, well, first of all, let's show a a nice little picture of Luke's family. Um, Super awesome. You know, you get to (laughs) learn a lot about somebody um, by spending time with them, but you get to learn even more about them when you spend time with their family. You ever notice that with their kids? Like, you can put on airs, but when they're around their kids, how do their kids act? And so, uh, Carrie and I got the pleasure of, of hanging out with uh, Luke and Casey and uh, Zachary and Jacob and Riley. Riley. Yes. Man, sorry, Riley. I totally owe you. Um, we got a chance to hang out with them at their uh, hotel last night, and we were playing games with them. Uh, I've not been around kids. In, in their world where their cell phone's not out every two seconds. And they didn't even have a cell phone with them. They looked me in the eye and talked to me like I was a human being and like were super polite, except when they lost, kind of, you know, kind of except when they lost on occasion. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they didn't lose to us, Luke, because we didn't do well. Uh, but we had a fun time. And so really getting to know somebody and their, and their family, you know, we haven't spent any time with their family. Luke and uh, Casey and Carrie and I went to Israel and we spent uh, 10, 11 days together. And you know, if you've gone to Israel, you get to know people pretty well, but I never got to meet their kids, and it was a real pleasure, so Luke, super excited to hear what you have to share with us today. Cool.
1: Thank you, Josh, for, uh, for having me. All right, so as you uh, hear part of my story, I'm going to share uh, a part of my story from the non-believer perspective, just a little bit of it, and then hear uh, maybe a stage of where I became a new believer, and so then even maybe there's a stagnant Christian part, and then there's also maybe a mature Christian part, so I'm not sure what stage you're in, but uh, as you listen, maybe you can identify with one of these different stages. All right, so what's interesting is that when Josh called me and asked me to, to speak on this topic, you know, Forever Changed, um, you know, when, when I get asked to do that, I was like, wow, that's really cool, and then I get really scared, you know, and nervous. And because the topic we're gonna talk about is Forever Changed, I'm gonna share what Christ did in me. And as I stand here, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, when I was 32 years old, I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so I can really relate to the people that don't know the Lord. And I can really relate to the people that are new Christians. And so when I stand here, I still have these feelings of I don't feel valuable, you know, I don't feel valuable enough, you know, I don't feel like I'm doing, I, I'm not a good dad sometimes, I'm not, I'm not, so I struggle, so when I stand up here, I hope you don't hear that, man, I have this all together. I hope you hear that I'm a real person and I'm still trying to figure this out. Okay? But God has used me and used the efforts, and and I think he's willing to do that with each of us. So, all right. So, as Josh mentioned, um, I had started a company, and when I started a company, I really wanted to succeed financially because I grew up really poor. And so, growing up poor, I thought, man, money was the, I'm going to make something happen. And so... When I started my company, it really grew really, really, really well. I ended up meeting my wife there, and that's uh, how we ended up getting married, As I hired her, and then
0: several years later, we ended up getting married, which was huge. Okay. I, I think it's important to define, Luke, poor. Yeah. Because like my definition of poor and your definition of poor might be different.
1: Yes. So financially poor, uh, my mom uh, homesteaded some property in she got a divorce with my dad when I was two. So she raised us up in the mountains, uh, way up in the mountains. So I lived in a tent most of my childhood. And we had no running water, no electricity. And we just hunted and lived off the land. So I've eaten every animal in the Northwest. I'm talking <laughs> every animal. Porcupine, all the way down the whole deal, right? We, we did it, right? So uh, my mom grew up in a very uh, hurt, uh, I don't know, she was hurt in, in, in a very non-health, uh, just a very wounded way, so as a, as a parent, she wanted to isolate us, get us, protect us, and the problem is though, she didn't have the best parenting side of things, so she definitely, the abuse she received, she did, she kind of passed on to us, so I grew up you know, getting very physically beaten a lot, and uh, verbally abusive a lot, and so uh, um, that was really hard for me as a kid, and I had an older brother, younger brother, so we went through, way up in the mountains, not the best lifestyle. Um, so I say that to say this, uh, I thought my value, came from my performance. I didn't know my value should be in Christ and whose strength is, I didn't know any of that, okay? So I set my sights on a company, I pushed really hard day and night, I wanted to succeed, I wanted to have more than one shirt, one pair of pants, and uh, financially we did okay. Get married, here's here's what happens though, in the marriage, I'd never seen a married couple, never was modeled for me what a healthy marriage looks like. So you got to understand, my mom had been married and divorced five times, my dad three, my grandmother seven. So what was modeled for me, when it gets tough, you just get a new one. That's what was modeled. So it was not a, so we're fighting all the time. And uh, it was really challenging because I didn't want to get a divorce. I wanted to make this work, but I had no tools. I had nothing modeled. And so uh, we had one couple we knew that had their marriage was, we married more than 10 years. So we scheduled a dinner with them and I wanted some answers. Right? So remember we're having dinner and I remember they're like, we fought all the way there. It was really, you know, we've been married about a year. And so we I asked them, okay, how are you guys doing it? How are you making it? Come on, give me the secret sauce, right? And they said, you know what? We put God right in the center of our marriage. And I'm like, Bleh. like I'd never, I mean, I don't even know. Bleh. Never considered that, never thought of it. I'd never been to church. Okay? So to put God right in the center of your marriage, I was like, well, we've tried everything else. We've hired counselor after counselor after counselor. And I'm pro-counseling, don't get me wrong, but when you don't know the Lord, it's really hard. And so uh, I said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna figure this out. So I thought you find God in a building, okay? So we looked up a church in the Yellow Pages. We went, went to that church. That church experience was really rough. Okay, I'm gonna describe for, for you, if you grew up in the church world, this might sound kind of new to you. If you didn't grow up in the church world, this probably making a lot of sense. Um, So when we went to the church, we argued all the way there. Pain is why we're we're going. We walk in. It was very unfriendly. Uh, It kind of smelled like dead old people.
0: Yeah. How do we smell It's a very important question.
1: (laughs) You guys smell awesome. Coffee. Kids are running around. There's there's energy. You know, it's really cool. People are there to greet you, shake your hand. Good job,
0: real life. Way to not stink.
1: Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Totally different. Okay. And so when we went in, you know, uh, we, we, we came in and they were worshiping. I love worship now. It's really cool. It softens your heart. I get it then. It's cool. We guys have an amazing worship team. It's really special. And so, but I didn't know any of the songs. So it was awkward for me to try to sing. And, you know, so it was awkward. When the guy gets up to give his speech, you know, I had never seen, and so I'm waiting to hear this speech. I didn't understand most of it. He was using big words, propitiation, flesh, all these words I'd never even heard. I'm just like I can't follow along, right? And then the Bible's in front of me. I pull it out. You know, I didn't own one, but there was one in the, the pews. And I pull it out, and I can't keep up. It was not a good experience. Okay, so the speech is done. And I don't mean to be condescending when you hear me. I'm just this is where I'm at, right? Speech is done. Um, I follow everybody outside and out to the lobby and out in my car. I'm just kind of following, you know. And I'm out in the car, and I turn to my wife and I say, "Okay, if this is God." our marriage stands no chance. I mean, this is not gonna work. I can do the math, right? I built a company, right? I built processes and systems to hit a target, and that process is not gonna change our marriage at all. I could do the math. And so I was kind of done with the God thing, and one of my staff people that had hired uh, uh, Britt, she uh, she says, man, no, no, go go, go check out real life. It's different. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, I did the whole God thing. She says, no, 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 go check it out. It's different. And I hired her for sales, she closed the deal. So we went to real life in Pulse Falls, about 200 people, they had just started. And I'll describe some differences. So we walked in, there was people at the doors greeting, which was totally different, friendly, shaking hands, I smelled coffee, kids were running around. And the lobby was relational, right? And intentionally so, I found out much later. Well, we walked in, it was cool, we were given a bulletin, you know, were some scriptures in there and I would have to look it up so much, you know. And then the, the, the singing was similar. You know, I didn't know the songs. That was a little harder. Jim got up and he said, hey, I'm gonna talk about the purpose of the church. And I thought at this point, that'd be really good to know because I'm kind of confused. Like I've done the routine. I'm trying to find God and put him in the marriage. And how, does, how do I do that? And so he goes, purpose of the church is to make disciples of Jesus. And he goes, so if you don't know Jesus, that's your first step. You need to know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, Maybe you need to get in a home group, and that's where somebody can lead you to the Lord there. You've learned about discipleship, all that. And he says, let me ask you this. He goes, if you don't know Jesus, there's 200 of you sitting here. He goes, do you think it's my job to lead you to the Lord? And I thought, yeah, we just passed that bucket. People put money in. Of course, they're paying you to do that, right? Right? You're the paid player, right? And so he says this, no. It's that's not my job because how could I possibly be in a relationship with 200 of you and lead you to the Lord? It's not my job because my job is to create a disciple making environment and a disciple making church. But inside of that, whoever let, whoever invited you here, maybe they should lead you to the Lord. You need to get in a home group if you don't know the Lord and somebody there can lead you to the Lord or you can get invested in in there. But but there's no way goes, I could do it as an individual person. So that made sense to me. What I heard was get in a home group was our next step. And keep in mind, we're arguing, we're fighting, our marriage isn't working, so the pain is what's driving me. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit pulling and prompting and God, I didn't know anybody about any of that stuff, right? So I'm just like, we need to get in the home group. So as we we're getting ready to leave, a, a person came up to me and they recognized me from school and he goes, Luke, do you go to church here? <laughs> and I was like, he had the look of shock, you know? And I said, no, no, it's my first time. And he was in the lobby and intentionally, so I didn't know that. He invited me into his home group, which was cool. He goes, hey, well, you should come check out our home group. I said, yeah, I heard that. That guy up, you know, upstage said that was in the next step. Tell me about home group. And he kind of described this relational, we'll learn about God, we'll learn about each other, you know, all this, you know. And I was like, okay, you know. And so my wife comes up, goes, hey, what was that about? I said, well, I think we need to go check out a home group. Maybe it would be a next step. And uh, so we're getting ready to leave. Well, it dawns on me I don't own a Bible. I don't even know where you would get one. All the places I've been, I don't really sell Bibles, okay? So, yeah, um, so I asked one of the staff people, little lanyard, hey, where do I get a Bible? And he goes, hang on. So he goes, he's gone for about 30 seconds. You know, he comes back, and he has this really thick book he's about ready to hand me. It's like thick. And I'm like, go to reach for it. And he's like, well, hang on. He goes, no, I don't want to offend you. He goes, uh, I just think this would be a good starting point for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, just give me the Bible, right? And, uh, and so when he gives it to me, it's really thick. And I'm thinking, he thinks I'm one of those smart people right, like big thick book, I'm like, oh man, you know, I wanted a thin one, I didn't know, thin- yeah. so I'm, go- I'm going through this, it's all in color, okay, now keep in mind, I'm 32 years old, I got my first Bible, it's all in color, he gave me a children's Bible, okay, so I got my children's Bible, we're headed off to home group, right, okay, home group's on Wednesday, this is Sunday, I got a few days to catch up, so I'm reading that baby, right, I'm trying to catch up, right, there's no chapter and verse in there, they're just bubbles with little dots, you know, and I'm, ooh, this is good, man, this is good. There's a lot of fighting in this thing, right? So I'm thinking, we're qualified. My wife, we're we're qualified, right? And so we end up at home group. I'm gonna describe a little bit of that because if you're leading a home group or if you're in a home group, this is really impactful because it's hard to disciple people in a large, large setting like this even though some discipleship can happen, but man, a lot more can happen when we look at the way Jesus did it and that's in a small group. So what was cool was I go to this group And Tim and Shari were leading the group and Tim was real intentionally called me ahead of time, gave me directions, you know, make sure I was going to show. When we got there, I had my children's Bible. I was pretty pretty proud. I'd read a lot. I was ready. And I said, should I bring this in? My wife, my wife says, if you bring that in, I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So I left it on my car seat. My, My only thing that showed I was a Christian almost, right? And so we go into the home group and there's about 18 people and it was real friendly. We had food, it was relational. And then we sat down to kind of get started. We do this prayer thing and, uh, and then they start to tell the story. These three guys get thrown in the fire. I'd never heard this story before. And they're saying the name so fast. These three guys, they're just saying them over and over and over. And I, man, I go, I think, I think I know what they're saying. So I turn to my wife and I go, are they saying this? And she says, why don't you ask? And so I'm like, <sighs> so I raise my hand, right? And Tim goes, Luke, do you have a question? And I do have a question, you know, and the whole group is quiet because I'm going to reveal my theological proudness at this point. I know it. A lot of times people ask questions to show how smart they are. That's not going to be the scenario. So I go, are you saying what I think you're saying? And he goes, well, Luke, what do you think we're saying? Well, keep in my mind, my background, I grew up in a tent for about 13 years and we built a little shack with still no running water. So I grew up in a shack, was our upgrade. okay. And uh, so I said, are you saying my shack, your shack, and to bed we go? <laughs> yep. That's what I thought those three days. Because that was my world, right? And so, yeah. And so the group kind of laughed like where you would go. Yeah. And uh, Tim was gentle. No, that's not what we're saying, you know. And what was cool, what Tim and Shari did is they recognized I didn't know the Lord. My wife came to know the Lord through Sunday service, an altar call come forward. She accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and got baptized. That was really cool. That wasn't necessarily me. For me, I needed somebody to break it down and I didn't know any Christians. I thought all the Christians were claiming to be perfect and so I felt very judged and a lot of hypocritical stuff I had towards Christians. Now here's Tim doing life with me doing some softball, doing some basketball, hanging out, sharing about his marriage isn't working so well in areas, but yet he's leaning on the Lord. And so what was cool was I had no idea that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you actually get God's spirit comes and dwells in you. I never even heard that. So when Tim described that, the first time I started laughing, like you're still messing with me, right? Like the spirit of God comes and dwells. He's like, absolutely. And I was like, okay. I want in, if that's the case. I want in, right? So I just say this, if you go 32 years and you never have the Holy Spirit and then you get the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness. I, no, I, I didn't realize I had no conscience. Do you understand? Suddenly I got a conscience. If somebody would have said that ahead of time, I would have said, no, I got a conscience, but suddenly for the first time, I had an actual conscience where I was like, whoa. And oh my goodness, it was so helpful to have Tim there to help me break down all these questions I had. So that's why discipleship in a relational environment is critical. And I say this to say this, so now we have kids, right? My wife and I are first generation Christians. That might be where you're at. You know, you could also be multiple generation Christian. That's what I'm hoping for my kids, right? They'll be second generation. But when you're first generation Christian, I'm learning from you guys and applying in the same day. And so I said, I want to read something that my daughter wrote yesterday. So anytime I go on a trip, she'll write uh, a little letter. I never know what she's going to write, but here is, I want to read this. It's kind of hard for me to get through it. But I want you to think about this. I never wrote a letter like this to my mom or to my dad because I never received certain things. Maybe you're in those shoes, you know. My dad never told me he loved me, and he never told me he was proud of me. I didn't see my dad until I was 12. So he came back into my life, but he never said those things. So I didn't feel real valuable, if that makes sense. And so I want to raise my kids differently. And now that we have Jesus at the center of our marriage and it's starting to turn around and things are starting to like, be totally different, I get a letter like this from my daughter. Who's, she's 10 years old. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'll just read it. Um, Dear Dad, so she knows I'm coming, coming here, right? Dear Dad, you will be the best preacher person ever. You will walk up on that stage and preach your heart out. Oh, little hearts. All, all you have to do is be yourself. No one is better than yourself. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, go up on that big or small stage. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and just be a yetter. And you know what yetters do best. Love the Lord. Mm. I love you, Daddy. You will be great. Be the best you. Be brave, be bold, and preach your soul. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know the strength of the Holy Spirit could transform you from the inside out. And so uh, I now get to, our marriage is in a different place, to go from wherever I was to wherever I'm at now. God's, is a true testament to the Holy Spirit can work through each of us.
0: Thanks so much, Luke, for sharing. Appreciate it. So let me ask you some questions uh, here. So uh, you went to church because your marriage was in trouble. And uh, at that point in time, you've never had a marriage problem since. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what was cool was uh, uh, it was nice to know that I'm supposed to be a relationship specialist this way. I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor like myself. I'm supposed to be a relationship specialist. I just never heard that, never knew that. I didn't know I was supposed to help others love God and love his people too. I didn't know that. So I had no tools on my belt for relationship specialist. I wasn't good at conflict resolution. I wasn't good at apologizing. I I mean, Now I was like, oh man, I should be good at these things. And this is what God's word is, an entire
0: book on relationship. That's great. So talk walk me a little bit through the process. So you, uh, is similar. You, ex- you accepted the Lord, and you were at this church, and you were in a home group for a year, and then uh, how did Tim, like, uh, disciple you? What, what did he encourage you to do to move forward in your walk?
1: Yeah, before group and after group, he would spend some time with, with me, and he could see I was growing, you know, because he was relationally connected. He could see the, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the fruit, because we were in relation. He could see it increase a little bit, and so he asked me, would I be interested in leading a group, which I quickly replied, no, no, There's no way I could lead a group. I'm a CEO of a company, got a dozen locations nationally. I'm in three uh, uh, basketball leagues, a mountain bike, cross country. I'm just way too busy, right? But the Lord was chipping away at me. And so he says, why don't you pray about it? And I said, okay, I'll pray about it. And I said, but I don't know the Bible. I mean, I just got rid of my children. I still have my children's Bible. Actually, Jacob had it for a while. I got a new Bible, but I don't feel qualified. You know, and he says, well, don't worry. We'll give you a, we'll put Nick in your group. And I go, okay, well, how's that going to help if I branch out and Nick is in my group? He goes, well, Nick's specializes in apologetics. And so I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. So we're driving away, I have no idea what that word was. And so we're driving away, I turn to my wife and I go, man, they must think I'm gonna do pretty bad if I lead. She goes, why is that? I said, well, they're putting Nick in our group and apparently he specializes in how to apologize. (laughs) And so I'm... I'm, so,
0: yeah, so I didn't know what that word was. That word. I mean, you might want to describe that word. What does that word mean? Yeah, apologetics. Obviously, defending your faith, being able to walk through those things. But apparently, for Luke, it meant like we needed to send an apologist with him uh, to for all the people he was going to offend. Because you're probably not very direct or bold or anything like that. Not at like all. I not mean, at all. The Lord healed you from all of that. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize that you're supposed to chase people down. Like I was offending people, and imagine that, right? And so. I didn't realize if you're a mature Christian, you get the role of relationship is this amazing thing this way and this way and you gotta fight for relationship. You gotta pursue relationship. Most people are not very good at relationships so they get hurt and they run. And they get hurt right away. Well, Tim pursued me, he chased me so then I did the same. So I started chasing people that was offending which was all the time.
0: got really good at it. I got great at it. Well, you you had some scriptures uh, as you were coming up here, and we talked about it, um, and the scriptures that were on your heart that really impacted you, and and let's go through a couple of those in in our short time here. Uh, John uh, 3, 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Tell us how you were loving uh, people before you met the Lord and how it's changed now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you can imagine why we were fighting a little bit. Before knowing the Lord, I was 100% about me. And as long as my wife was 100% about loving me, it was all going to work. Does that make sense? Because I was the most selfish person I knew. And so, uh, yeah, I never knew and I didn't have the ability to love other people for where I was
0: really at. Sure. And in a survivalist mentality, right? You just didn't know. Yeah. You, have to, you have to get everything you can get for you. And you did that in your, in your world. So let me ask you this question. So you're retired from making, having to make money at 32, yep. in a sense. To yep. make, I mean, yep. go have a job or other a company. Mm-hmm. What made you, at that point in time, decide that you were going to pursue the Lord the rest of your life and be in ministry and do what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, you could see uh, I had uh, built a company up because I wanted to be valuable as a person. I thought that was my value as performance. So I sold it, retired early, and thought, man, I really did it. But coming to know the Lord and getting the opportunity to lead one person to the Lord was epically amazing. I was like, oh my goodness. I had, for the entire, my entire lifetime, I had only did things of success. I would climbed a ladder, and then I looked over, I realized I had not done one thing of significance. I was on the wrong ladder on the wrong wall. And so I told myself, I just want to do things of significance from here on out.
0: And so God got a hold of my heart, and I'm I'm all in that's great, appreciate that, it's funny, Luke is all in I've seen him in the process of, of just connecting, no matter where he is, he was uh, at a DS1, I heard this story about him and he was, uh, he, he's played pool before in his life, uh, one, once or two, one or two times, and I think I've heard stories of you climbing out of bathroom windows because people were not happy with the way that you were playing pool uh, with them, and um, there might have been some dollars involved in that, in your younger days before yes. you knew the Lord Yes. okay, um, hashtag pool hustler. So um but even so he there, he was at a training and there was a pool table there and playing pool and there was this guy that was there that was having a good time and ended up being a pretty famous chef that's on TV that you might have seen him and Luke was Luke talked to him about the Lord I don't know if you guys ended up uh, leading him to the Lord or not but yeah leading him to the Lord and all those things over a game of pool and so like wherever Luke is I've just noticed him always investing in folks always never afraid to say something to somebody just bold because He's bold in his faith. So uh, let's talk about this one, Luke. uh, Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, And you think about this. and, and, and how it changes in your life. Talk to us about how you've been able to forgive in your family and tell us a little bit about your brothers and your family and, yeah. and, and what's happened there.
1: Yeah, it was, this was hard because in my upbringing, I didn't get treated so well. I didn't get a lot of love and a lot of uh, empathy. You know, I got a lot of discipline and a lot of uh, uh, pain. And so as my mom was getting older, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit working in me, I never would have went and visited her. And so she passed away a year ago. And uh, it took, it was the Holy Spirit for me to even go there and spend time with her and to pray with her. And uh, I was able to forgive. I'm still working through it. Uh, but what was cool is right before she passed, a week before she passed, I got the opportunity to lead her to the Lord. Mm. Yeah. I and and, and <laughs> if, uh, if you knew my mom, that's a miracle. That's just a miracle because she was the hardest-headed, stubbornest person I know because you could imagine who's going to take three kids up in the mountains with a rifle and make a living just with that is super determined. So she was determined. She had it all figured out.
0: Yeah. And so, and your brother is... uh, pastor, right? Yeah. God's got a sense of humor. That is a total sense of
1: humor. He's our uh, purity pastor up at Pulse Falls because my mom didn't protect us being raised. She didn't know about any of that stuff. So we just did whatever. And we got some really bad habits going on in our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so family has changed as you think about that, which I love that. So uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to jump here to the very last piece of it. You guys have the text in there. Uh, you were transformed, right? You were transformed. You are, you were transformed by his word, by his people. Yeah. By people like this.
1: Yeah, here's what I would say is that what's cool about, what I love about this church is that you guys aren't just going to church. That's not that's part of it. That's cool, Sunday. That's awesome, but you're also being the church. You're reaching people like me in your community. That's absolutely amazing. There's churches that go an entire year and not lead one person to the Lord. You guys are having people come to the Lord every week here. It is amazing, and so what I would say is thank you for not being 100% about yourself. I get that, but thank you for reaching out And connecting with somebody like me and lead me to the Lord.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm gonna jump through this in the interest of times. These are all great. You should read them all. Um, You should read them all. But let's talk about what our church is about. You know, our vision is to reach the world with Jesus one person at a time, not to bring them into a building, not to let them be entertained on stage and it's funny and it's good. But when I think about that picture, throw the picture up, guys, override me here on this button. Throw the picture of their family up again. I come from a broken home. What is the razor thin line that his employee would talk to, take a risk, talk to her boss? Maybe she was scared, I don't know, maybe she was nervous. Probably knew he was struggling in that razor thin line of these guys not even being here. Luke and I talked, we, you know, we could totally see us being on our third marriages and all of our kids hating us because we stayed about us. You know that movie, Back to the Future where he's fighting the photograph and seeing things disappear and fade out and where people could not be there? Like I think about that with the Yetter family. Because we're about reaching the world for, one, for, for Jesus uh, with Jesus one person at a time, who is that one person? All right, back to the Matthew 28, guys, if you could. So Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what we're about. It's not about getting them here to the show. It's about walking through them. It's not about the, the person, uh, the, the paid player here. It's about you in the lobby having a connection, connecting with somebody, talking to somebody, caring enough about other people, seeing people. And we want to show people who God is, right? We want to show people who God is by being available, by being willing. So, as we get ready for communion, if you're going to serve communion, please go ahead and uh, take, that, uh, take that and we'll pass that around to everybody. We're going to hold it till we all have that. We get a privilege of taking communion every week at our church. And, uh, and I want us to always be thinking about that as, as we come to the table and we're doing this and we're remembering our Lord. Like, what are some things that you want to maybe you need a little cleansing from this week? Because I know I did some sinning. I sinned this week. I thought things I, sh- I shouldn't have thought, I said things I shouldn't have said. And I kind of come to the Lord every week with communion. I'm like, Lord, renew me, change me, help me. Help me be better than I was this last week. And so be thinking about that as we pass out this communion. If you haven't accepted the Lord, just let it bypass you. It's not going to mean anything to you, um, but we'll hold it all and take it together. So some questions to ponder this week when you're sitting there with your family. They're on your notes right here. And so you can have these on your refrigerator. And these are just things to be thinking about um, as, as you're there with your family or in your home group. So. Uh, which stage do you identify with in Luke's story? Maybe you're here and you're, you're, you don't know what's going on. Somebody invited you here to church. and you're, Maybe you're here and you're in pain. Maybe you're here and your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Or your family is super close to being erased. You're about to step on some landmines and blow some things up. And you're, this is just your last Hail Mary. Ooh, that's a good that's a good pun. Um, mm. This is your last. This is your last. Like, please, Lord, help me. I need something. I don't know what that is. Maybe you're new in your faith. You're excited. You found a church. You found people and you're here and you're excited to learn more about what God can do in your life and how you can serve and love and grow. And, and that's great. You know, the next step for you is to be in a home group. We are really focused on having awesome home groups of people that are doing life together. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while. Maybe this is your 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 20th church. And you know a lot about the Bible. You can say lots of stuff and you know what apologetics means and propitiation and (laughs) uh, all these great words and, and, and all of these things. And you can know all that stuff and you have it all right in here, but you have not put any of it out here. And maybe God's calling you to step up and to be involved and to serve and to love Uh, Maybe you're a super awesome, mature disciple maker and you're like, I found my people. These are my people. This is what we do. Maybe that's where you're at. So based on where you are now, what's your next step? We're not just here to learn some information and hear a story. We're here to act upon what we've heard from God's word and from God's people. So what's your next step? What do you need to do? Are you leaning on the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you know which voice is talking to you? Or is Netflix too loud? That's my fault. Uh, is, is, uh, is Dish too loud? Is the music too loud? Is all those things? Would you even know the Holy Spirit if he was talking to you? Or there's too many other voices and things that are in your head? When do you have time to be still and know that he's God? And then who are you intentionally investing in or discipling? I spent a day out fishing Luke on the lake the other day. You did. (laughs) He let me. Um, But it wasn't about the fishing. Luke is an executive pastor of a very large church. He has lots of organizational understanding, and I asked Luke a lot of questions. I needed help. I needed to know how to lead well and lead better organizationally, and I have Luke investing into my life and other men investing in my life, and I'm trying to invest in other people's lives. So it's almost like this. So who are you investing in? And who's investing in you, or have you arrived? Have you arrived, and nobody needs to invest in you because you got it? Well, I could say you're a a slip away from a landmine. It should look up and down. And so I want our church to be about that. And so as we think about our our Lord and and what he did that night, you know, where, where are we at with that? Resonate with those questions this week. So the night he was uh, betrayed, he took the, the bread. And he held it up and looked at his disciples. And he said that this is my body. Whenever you do this, remember me. Remember what, remember what happened. So let's remember our father. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember. Father in heaven, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, the cool places that you're going to take us this week, that you've already taken us last week. Um, And really just the chance to reflect on, on our story through your eyes. Lord, thanks for revealing some things about me and where I am and the areas that I need to, to be molded in. I believe it. You are the creator. You are the maker. You want to make us into something new, Father. Something that continues on that with purpose and passion, and really to introduce people to you because they they, they don't need Josh Gray, they need Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we want to elevate. Elevate you in everything we do. May people see you well. May our stories matter because your story matters, Father. You have forever changed us. Allow us to continue to go out and forever change. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.